Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Magic is power. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry and me. What's up, Jerry? Look who finally decided to show up. <laughs> Listen, at least I haven't slept through a full episode, Jerry. Okay. <laughs> All right. Touche. Touche. I was fully conscious. I was just in the shower. <laughs> I got the days mixed up. So I thought I thought this was next week. <laughs> exactly well i'm doing well pat i am ready for a fresh week of legacy how about you yeah man i'm i'm stoked i'm stoked uh it's been a good week had a little ice and snow up here but uh yeah doing well man hell yeah well let's get right into it pat we got a very special doomsday episode we do to bring the doomsday home, we have not one, but two doomsday experts on the cast. Uh, up first, joining us for the first time, uh, Ethan Formicella. How you doing, man? Good, good. How are you? I'm excited. Excellent. Yeah, glad to have you on here. Uh, glad to chat with you. And, uh, you know, as a, a resident doomsday expert, I'm sure you got a lot to, to tell our listeners. Yeah. And welcoming back to the cast for his second, third time. I don't know. I forget. But Romario Neto is joining us again. How are you doing, Romario? Oi, boa noite. Como vai vocês? Tudo bem? Oh, sorry. Wrong, wrong podcast. <laughs> Olá, tudo bem, Mario. Oh, my. <laughs> All right, Pat. Got me on that one. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Welcome to the all Portuguese cast, guys. There you go. It's like when you're, ta- it's when you're talking shit about a customer in the store and then you realize that they speak the same language. You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I know. It's always, en- it's always English for me. I'm like, damn it. Why do so many people speak English in this area? It's terrible. <laughs> in Massachusetts? Huh? How surprising. <laughs> Bad Pat just said they talking shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, Long thing, all right. How you guys doing? Oh, doing good, man. Doing good. Glad yeah. to have you back here and excited to talk about Doomsday because this was a deck everyone was kind of looking at in the wake of the Ragavan bands. Everyone's saying, oh, this mm-hmm. is probably going to make uh, Doomsday uh, go up uh, some win percentages. So it's been about two weeks since we talked about that with the Ragavan band, and I'm, I'm interested to see how much of that has come to fruition. What's, what's the uh, report from the ground? Well, there was uh, there was a uh, player that won one of the challenges this past weekend. Yep. Uh, but the lists they have changed a lot since the, mm-hmm. the banning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ragavan, of course, was a problem because you're, you know, trying to play off the top of your deck basically, and you know, Ragavan kind of throws a wrench in your plans when you try to do that. Yep. <laughs> uh, it was specifically good against the card uh, Personal Tutor. Uh, for some of you guys, if you don't know it, it's a it's a tutor, but it's from Portal, so he puts a card on top of your deck uh, at sorcery speed, yeah, not like the ones from uh, Mirage. <laughs> so it's kind of awkward if you cast some personal tutor and then Ragavan attacks you and <laughs> just da- takes away the card you put on top. Yeah, they just dash it into, so it's not even like you can mm. see it coming. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I think I think the two cards that Ragavan really invalidated, actually more than anything else, uh, were Duress and Defense Grid. Um, because getting hit 
and them taking a discard spell was basically game over most of the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, defense creator is interesting because you a lot of the times we, we would play that as our primary way of dealing with Delver. And what would happen is if they played a turn one Ragavan, by turn two, they have three mana to pay for their forces. Mm-hmm. Um, at which point you really couldn't lean on your, your grid as much as you'd like. So it, it's interesting that I think a lot of the deck building concessions we made to not being um, super vulnerable to Ragavan or able to be reconsidered now, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not so much a, a matter of like the format slowing down at all and giving combo a little bit more breathing room. It's more just the way the decks are interacting and kind of fitting together. Yeah. One thing that I think was a little bit overrated was how much Ragavan messed with the Doomsday Pile, um, which, <laughs> I mean, it, it obviously did because it exiled cards off the top. But if you suspected that they might have it, like basically cycling Street Wraith and getting hit with Ragavan are the same thing, right? You lose two life and you lose a card off the top. So like you can put a Street Wraith anywhere in your pile. And if they <laughs> dash a Ragavan, the Street Wraith gets exiled and you lose the two life either way. So it really uh, practically makes no difference. But what it did make a lot of difference in was in deck construction because there were you really didn't want them to take your like one passes Oracle, obviously, then you're just losing the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm kind of hearing is that it only really mattered if you were an inexperienced doomsday player. If you kind of knew what was up, you could play around Ragavan. Is, is that right? Or am I reading too far into that? I th- that's true to an extent. I think um, a lot of us were building our decks specifically in a way that made getting hit with Ragavan not so bad. Um, and with that came losing a lot of utility that we would like to have against the tempo decks, like discard spells. Um, days got a lot worse because, again, if they just put a treasure into play, that made it harder to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- things like that. So now I think a lot of those tools to beat tempo are possibly available again. Okay. Hmm. Well, yeah, let's take a look at, uh, you know, the new doomsday list because, uh, Rory, I know you said that it's a kind of an unusual list, but, uh, this is spicy. This, uh, doomsday by, uh, ya- Yama, Yama, Yama. I think I'm saying <laughs> maybe I had just, just two y- Yama, Yama. Oh, Yama, Yama. Yep. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yama, Yama. One too many Yamas. Hate it when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't follow the comedic rule of threes, Jerry. It, I know. I, uh-huh. I, I fall victim to that <laughs> trap all the time. <laughs> uh, first place in the Legacy Challenge on February 5th. This mm-hmm. list is spicy. So we got four Baleful this has, this has a couple of cards in here that like I haven't like really, I'm not familiar with at all. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, four Baleful Strix. Uh, for Malevolent Hermit, which uh, I don't know if this made it onto the cast, but we were talking about this with Bob Huang about uh, mm-hmm. cards from the new Innistrad sets that could potentially see play, and this was kind of pegged as uh, the one most likely. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a cool card, Malevolent Hermit. Um, Fast's Oracle, of course, as the win condition, three Street Wraith, and then four Murktide Region. <laughs> Tuesday mm-hmm. just ain't, ain't messing around no more. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then the rest seems like a fairly typical, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, four brainstorm, one consider, uh, four dark ritual, four ponder, one preordain, one thought sees, four days, four doomsday, four force of will. I noticed they cut the, um, what is it, the leaf one, the leaf cycling? Uh, so there's no artifact mana. That's the first 
thing, the first thing that I guess would catch my attention. So there's okay. like no LED or lotus oh, petals. Oh yeah, good call. Yep. And uh, the edge of autumn. That's the one you're thinking. Edge of autumn. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. So all right. So let me go back a little bit because so I, I didn't play Doomsday for a little bit because I was trying to. Well, for first I, I played for a whole year, and I wanted to like switch back, for, switch to a different deck for a while. So I played some mm-hmm. elves for a little bit, and then uh, when Ragavan got big, and I was like, all right, I need to go back on Doomsday is the deck that I'm very comfortable playing. Yeah. And I went back to the list that I was playing before Ragavan got banned, and it was a normal, the more the more traditional list we were seeing with Lotus Petals and LED, uh, the six uh, cyclers. And uh, what I found out is that the meta changed in a way that it's really hard to resolve Doomsday and win the way we were doing before. And then I started seeing more people playing uh, Merktide's Regents. And uh, and I tried one of those lists, very similar to this one that we're looking at it. And I think that's the way to go forward, move forward with Doomsday. Yeah, just making it an aggro. Because that reminds me, back when I played Doomsday years and years ago, it was with the Monastery Mentor build. And it feels mm-hmm. like you're kind of, <laughs> it's kind of that similar slot where it's like, hey, if we can't combo off, I guess we'll just beat their face in. <laughs> yeah, have a plan B, I guess, right? Right. But in but in this case, the plan B is main deck. I think before you yeah. see like in a sideboard. Yeah, they're not even uh, sideboarding. And, and speaking of some spiciness in the spi- sideboard is they're running the shell dock isle emercool combo in the, right. in the sideboard that they can side into so yeah more, that, that more one, surprises yeah that one was seen playing a little bit because of uh endurance yep uh when yeah, the that, control decks to start playing uh endurance then that was a way for you to kind of sidestep that that part mm-hmm, of the game mm-hmm. uh so you had this other option uh which is that was i think uh kai sawatari was and uh, Neville, Neville shoot Martin Nielsen. I think they were big into uh, playing the Sheldock package when Modern Horizons came out because it was good against um, Endurance, Dress Down, Torpor Orb, uh, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then I think what's happened is it's very bad against uh, Teferi. It's very bad against Wasteland, which a lot of control decks are playing at least two copies of now. So it's and it's bad against Caracas. So it's it's something that's fallen out of favor a little bit, but it's something you'll see here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, it's just style points. I mean, you gotta you gotta slam that <laughs> Emrakul. I actually think I feel I think Shell Doc Isle was actually one of the first ways people comboed with Emrakul. Like even before Show and Tell and uh, Sneak Attack was really as popular. I think it was in the original what people used to call the original Mean Deck. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, 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 I had I was just starting playing Legacy, so I but I remember they they used to play multiple copies of uh, Shell Dock, and they used to play Cloud of Fairy. Yep. Oh so yeah. You, so you could do it all in the same turn, like you play the land and then tap and then cast Emrakul. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. There was a uh, there was a deck that did pretty well at a Grand Prix, which was a Show and Tell. Uh, it was shortly after Emrakul was printed. It was like a Show and Tell Doomsday deck. That played four show and tell and four doomsday for the show. Oh yeah, um, you're right. I remember that. Yep. That was way before Thassa's Oracle was printed. That was yeah. when well, Doomsday players were men. <laughs> the doomsday deck. They didn't have this easy win condition in Thassa's Oracle. <laughs> you, you won by the, the bare white knuckles. <laughs> they used to just be uh like just be storm decks, and then Emrakul was printed. And gave them a non-storm way to win with Doomsday. Yeah, 
Yeah, because the Storm One was the DDFT, right? It was a Doomsday yep. Fetchland Tendrils. Yeah. Yeah, you literally just you literally just use Doomsday as a way to like exile your library so you could shell dock in some Ember Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Then so that was the list that was. I mean, that's kind of like the direction that they they've taken uh, Doomsday now. Uh, you mentioned Malevolent Hermit. Yeah. Uh, so so just more creature centric. Let's talk about it. Malevolent Hermit is uh, the new card. Malevolent Hermit, uh, one and a blue for a 2-1. Uh, human Wizard, uh, one blue. Sacrifice Malevolent Hermit, counter-target non-creature spell unless it's a controller pays three. So, okay, we got onboard counter magic. Um, but then what makes it spicy, it has Disturb, which is two and a blue. You may cast this card from your graveyard, transformed for its Disturbed cost. And Disturbed, it's a flying 2-2. Non-creature spells you control can't be countered. And then if it would be put into the graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, can be a little beater that you play early to protect your combo. And then late game, if you just got to absolutely get your uh, doomsday to resolve, you can, you know, disturb this guy first and give yourself some pretty significant counter magic protection. Yeah. And then also, like, you no, know, it, it helps against Chalice uh, and also no way kind of against effects like endurance, because so instead of the cards being put in the graveyard, they, they get exiled. Yeah. So your your graveyard doesn't your graveyard doesn't get uh bigger. Oh true. Yeah. No, that's right. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty cool addition. Like when people brought it up, they were kind of trying to figure out like it obviously goes in some combo deck. The question is which combo deck does it go in? And I know the mm-hmm. Sneak and Show community kind of try to and it just it's not very it the mana doesn't match up right for it that well in sneak and show. Like you wanted um it just it's just a little too clunky, but do you feel in Doomsday it uh it kind of makes sense? Have you had a chance to play with it? Uh I haven't. I mean I did, but it was just like you no know, a couple of matches. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm actually like in the middle of a league trying to play this card. And so it hasn't really come up to that point yet. I don't know if Ethan has tried it yet. Um I haven't tried it yet in Doomsday, but I'm pretty excited to see it because I did try it in the uh, the Tainted Pact. Oracle combo deck in Legacy, uh, which I that's sort of been my pet deck aside from Doomsday. Uh, even though I, I do play one copy of Doomsday in that deck, but I have been really impressed with the card, um, even as a one of in the Tainted Pact lists. So I'm I'm excited to see it here and to get to try it out. One thing also with Doomsday that I think is overlooked about the Hermit is it's also just a creature that can block. Like losing half your life and a list like this with no fast mana is looking at past the turn a lot of the time. Like mm-hmm. having a creature on the board that can make you not die is sometimes just what is going to make the difference. Yeah, just mm-hmm. having a body that you can just throw it throw in front of like a batter skull or something if you really need to. Mm-hmm. Or a delver. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, because if, if, well, if, if you if you flip it, yeah, it comes back yeah. to flying, so it trades with Delver well. Um, but also, I mean, let's just talk about the creature suite in general. This is a super heavy creature suite for a doomsday mm-hmm. list. Um, you know, yes, it's got the four malevolent hermit, um, but it's also running the four murktide region, and then is the four baleful strix a common doomsday edition? I, I've seen lists with it and I've seen lists without. I'm not really sure if it's considered stock or not. Oh, I was just—I think the main division uh, you would see is Baleful Strix versus Personal Tutor. Yeah, is um, that—that's the breakdown. A lot of the time, I think it ends up being that way because I think the, the Personal Tutor lists, which are the ones that I've typically had the most experience with, are really trying to like find and cast Doomsday 
as fast as you possibly can. And you're willing to basically burn all your resources into doing that. And the assumption is mm-hmm. if you can do it fast enough, then enough of the time you can scrounge together a win with what, with what's left. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the other option would be to use things like baleful strikes to keep yourself in a healthy position long enough into the game where you can safely doomsday sort of at your leisure um, at a time that's more convenient where you have what you need to, uh, to play through, you know, the rest of the game. So I think that's sort of the division that you've, you, I, I would guess those two cards would generally not yeah. exist in the same lists. Gotcha. Um, so this list is choosing to run it and it kind of makes sense why it would do it. Just it's already loading up on creatures. So you might as well go with the creature heavier build in the first place, but really that Merktide region, I feel is putting in a lot of the work. Well, I, there's a thing of the doomsday discord, uh, about eight conversations are like how to beat Delver. <laughs> how to beat Delver. Play Merktide. <laughs> yes. That's pretty much like the the main focus usually on this the Doomsday Discord, because the other decks are, you know, they're good matchups to like manageable, like but uh Delver is the one that's usually uh kind of tricky. And uh I mean you're playing a card that when you cast it reduces half of your life. You're playing against a deck that's pretty aggressive and it's playing lightning bolts. So that's mm-hmm. that can be a problem sometimes. Not to mention you're also trying to cast a card that costs three mana, like yeah, yeah and the dazes and wastelands and all that good. That's not mm-hmm. always easy. And even though you're generally a two-color deck, like your mana is pretty weak. Like you're you're trying to cast all these blue cantrips, you're trying to cast a triple black card and then a double blue card after that. Like it's actually they, that now that you mention it, this deck is super susceptible to wastelands because I just realized it's only running a single basic swamp and then four underground seas. And I believe because it's not running LEDs or anything like that. Oh, it's running the dark rituals, but still, mm, that's still, still that's still that's still like pretty pretty light on the the black mana sources. I feel for a, a, a deck that wanted to cast a triple triple black uh, spell. Right. Um. I mean, I haven't, pers- I, excuse me, I haven't personally uh, played with these creature heavy lists, but I'm, I actually just got all the cards together this morning on Moto because I want to try it out. But uh, I would not be surprised if the plan is to board out all your doomsdays and like Oracle and Dark Rituals in a lot of the tempo matchups. Yeah, just anytime you see a wasteland, just board those doomsdays out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, so, like I was saying, because, uh, SCG Philadelphia is coming up. Actually, I think this thing's going to be released the day before. Uh, so, guys, I'm not playing Doomsday. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you got against me in Philadelphia. I'll probably, I'll probably play Doomsday. But uh, so I, I tried six or seven different lists like this past week, and about half of them were the more traditional like LEDs and Lotus Petals lists. Uh, similar to the, the list, I think you guys talked uh, a little bit with Bob last week, uh, the mm. one that won the, the previous challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was having a hard time winning with those type of lists. And then I picked up one of those that has Merktide regions and Belfast tricks. Mm-hmm. And I immediately did like way better. Like you know, my first league was like a four, one. And then the next one was another four, one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I tried another one. That's probably the list we can probably talk next is the, the one that I think Max from the Ming Max blog, uh, posted on his Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I talked to him a little bit and it's pretty similar, except that, you know, it's Grixis colors. So you also have. Uh, Dragon's Rage Channeler and the rest of the deck is kind of the same thing. You have four Merktide Regents and you have Belfast Rix, Doomsday, Force of Wills and the Kentrips. Uh, 
And that list also like felt really good, especially against Delver. Uh, mm. Well, it's running game. It's running three bolts and a pyroblast main deck. <laughs> yeah, and then the plan is exactly what you just said. You just remove your whole Doomsday package, and you kind of turn into this uh, Grixis mid range deck, I guess, uh, without Delvers. <laughs> and and it works. It works. Uh, so that I think that's the way probably to go. Like you no, know, moving forward, like you no, know, for the next few weeks until. Delver changed again, or Wizards prints another busted one drop. Now, convince me if I'm wrong. An old, uh, you know, truism of legacy is that uh, transformational sideboards are garbage. And if if you were, uh, you know, if you're transforming into a better deck, why aren't you just playing that better deck from the get go? Do you do you subscribe to that logic? Do you think that that holds true with Doomsday? Do you think this is just a rebellious teenage year phase of doomsday or is this uh i'll say uh with with every combo deck because i've played a lot of combo decks um and legacy that's more or less all i've done is uh i think i've always disliked the transformational sideboard Mm -hmm. um i've never really found it appealing i think the the exception is maybe if you're playing a very dedicated graveyard deck and you can transform into something that doesn't use the graveyard. <laughs> I think yeah, I think the only the only successful example of it in the past is like reanimator running show and tell and reanimator transforming <laughs> into show and tell. It's like I guess that's a transformational, but not yeah. really. <laughs> right. But but in that case it's like, you know, there are very specific cards that your opponent is going to try to mulligan to. Yep. Um that you can take advantage of. But yeah, I've always not been a fan of the transformational sideboard in index like mm-hmm. storm or uh you know, or, or doomsday or anything or, like that. Or my, my Patriot sneak and show list that transformed <laughs> into uh Patriot Delver <laughs> with uh young pyromancers, Delvers and monastery mentors on the sideboard of sneak and show. Was that the one with the Harry in it? <laughs> it was the one with the Harry in it. And it's also the one I, I took down the, uh, the Wormwood open playing it, beating rich Shea in the finals, proving, <laughs> proving, works. proving nothing. <laughs> <laughs> was he playing his old school deck? Like, was he playing a real legacy deck? Uh, kind of. Well, he was. This was during uh, Eldrazi Winter. It was right when, uh, like, oh, uh, okay. Zendikar yeah, yeah, came yeah. out, and all the, uh, all the like the the two year face Eldrazi decks were floating around. Huh. <laughs> but anyways, that's a side trip down memory lane. Um, um, so, so Ethan, you're not you're typically not a fan, but I feel there's a big butt coming based on how you're uh, setting this up. <laughs> yeah, well, that well, there is. Um, and the reason for that is I don't really think of this as a transformational sideboard because like you said, you know, we're kind of already playing both plans in the main deck. And I think Doomsday and Murktide Regent, interestingly in this deck, are very similar cards. I think your your goal is to resolve one and then basically tell your opponent, like, you need to have the thing that interacts with this or you're going to lose the game. And the thing that interacts with Doomsday and the thing that interacts with Murktide Regent are not the same thing, you know, like... Murktide region, you're asking for a Swords to Plowshares or, you know, a Pyroblast or whatever that may be. And Doomsday, you're asking for like an Endurance dress down, something like that. So the idea that you have both of these things that are kind of similar in the sense that they're like a suspend one to two win the game and demand very specific answers, I think is is pretty cool. And then you can maybe board out the one that doesn't line up well with your opponent's main plan. That's all speculation on my part. I haven't actually played with this list at all, but it's something that I'm something that has convinced me, despite being resistant to 
this kind of deck for a long time. Hmm. See, I feel my problem with uh, if I was a pilot for for this list is I would fall susceptible to the Windmore fallacy of I would just want to get a Merktad region in play and then use Doomsday to grow the Merktad region to huge sizes. <laughs> oh, oh, you, know, you, you got to try to do that. That's, uh, that's pretty sweet. Well, funny enough. Oh, yeah. I played a league earlier today. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Excellent. Yeah. So, tell me more. And, and there's another thing, too. Uh, so Thassa's Oracle. Uh, you need devotion to blue to be able to win. Oh, mm-hmm. and there you uh, go. region does that. Yes, there's so you can go off win. faster. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, so you could just if you just already have a Merktide region in play, your Doomsday stack it's a hell of a lot easier. You just mm-hmm. need like uh, Thassa's Oracle and one Cantrip, and you're good to go. Yeah, it's also it's it. Well, if you try to go down to two cards, which is usually easy, like it's going to zero that it's a little harder. Uh, it plays around the removal because now. If you have a, a Merc Titan play and then you cast Tassa's Oracle with uh, two cards left in your deck, mm-hmm. they'll have to kill both of your creatures to be able to. Oh, yeah, just no, to play to around that too. <clears throat> exactly. Um, so that's, that. I mean, I guess that's, uh, I guess you call it synergy too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that is something that's nice about like the Baleful Strikes, the Malevolent Hermit. Um, like those are incidental devotion to blue too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think the other side. I don't actually know what the 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 reverse of the hermit. Like I know that the converted mana cost I think is the same, but I don't know if it has a mana cost. It does. It's it's kind of like a delver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought that's how the rules work. It's the it's like sitting mana cost is whatever the the unflip side is. Okay. Oh, okay. Because I actually uh, I wasn't sure. So that well, they, they changed the rule as well. Yeah, they changed the rule. It used to be zero when it was flipped. Yeah, it used to be right, zero, right. and then probably like four years ago, they changed yeah. it, something like that. Yeah, I, mm. I knew it would be like converted mana costs too, but I didn't know if the mana cost for devotion purposes like right. if it had right. a blue symbol in it. I think it's four years ago because I feel it was two years ago, and I've since learned that <laughs> I just add two years onto any of my feelings now because of uh, just the time machine we've been living in. <laughs> yeah, I actually I have not played a paper game of Magic since Thassa's Oracle was printed. Wow! Despite probably playing thousands of digital games with it, I was at the Legacy Legacy Pit. Uh, I think that was the last like larger event that I've been. Was well, that I mean, September? Uh yeah yes yes I should know that yeah. because uh no it was one day before my birthday so yes oh okay <laughs> so yeah I remember I remember that event wait so um, were you not home for your birthday no no how how that go over with the wifey uh that was how I sold it I was like it's my birthday I need, I need to get away from y'all <laughs> like, for awesome. my birthday I don't want to deal with any of y'all no. shit <laughs> like, well, I think I think I had a like we went out for dinner like on either before i don't even remember i, I know we had a cake or something and then but yeah, yeah. for the day my my birthday day i was like no no was, <laughs> i'm going out of town <laughs> i'll see you all in a few days that's awesome, that's awesome. Well, speaking of big paper events we got the biggest paper event of the year coming up well so far this year coming up mm-hmm. uh next weekend with the scg legacy 10k and uh where is it uh Philly, I want to say. Yeah, Philly. Philadelphia, yeah. So I was hoping to go to it, but it is unfortunately both Valentine's Day and Super Bowl Sunday. So I will not be going to Philadelphia. Any of you guys going to be making it? I will. Yeah. You're going? Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's only like a four hour drive for me. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, hard so, to beat that. That's. I, was, uh, I, was, there, there, I thought about playing modern on Saturday, but 
I don't no, I don't think I want to do that. So uh, I think they have uh I think it's two or three uh legacy challenges on on Saturday. Uh, oh, okay. Star City also has a of course they have a, a way for you to spend more money. So there's yeah, a yeah, challenge obviously. and then there's the challenge plus, which is ten dollars oh. more, but you get more of the funny money, like if the prize uh, uh, it, co- it, co- it comes with <laughs> NFTs. Money. I forgot <laughs> I forgot about SCG bucks. I it's been so long, I totally forgot that was a thing. Oh yeah. my god, that sucks so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean uh, I hate it. I hate of it. course I'm gonna do it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a so like yeah, I can leave I can leave my 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 uh, Richmond like on Saturday and, and playing two of those and if I scrub out, think the events at the casino so I can just play blackjack or nice. something. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I'm definitely gonna be there on Sunday uh, playing Legacy. Awesome, nice. And uh, you're totally not playing Doomsday, right? So if anyone, no, no, I'm, I'm playing uh, Death and Taxes, I think. Yeah, uh, Death and Taxes, like for real, for real, or are you just shitting with us? <laughs> uh, real, yeah. Either way, <laughs> either way, bring your torpor orbs. Yeah, yeah. Bring, your, bring your torpor orbs, no matter what. It's never <laughs> been a, never been a better time to be a Phyrexian Dreadnought player, guys. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> Main deck torpor. Oh, orbs. that's true. That's the medical. <laughs> medical. Phyrexian Dreadnought Torpor Orb. Let's go. <laughs> I remember I played against a deck in a league once that had like um not yeah. only four Torpor Orb main deck, but it also had the like the fairy, the one and a white one, two that also is that was orb. probably me. That was probably me. <laughs> <laughs> Playing Phyrexian Dreadnought and uh Hunted Scent, not uh Hunted Horrors. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like uh Wizards, I just need you to print like give me Phyrexian Dreadnought uh five through eight. And I will just play Phyrexian Dreadnought dot deck for the rest of my days. Didn't they, didn't they do that? <laughs> They've come close numerous times and they're just not good enough. Like, I think there's a, uh, isn't there a land that can go get an artifact that costs zero or one from your deck and put it into play? Oh, yeah. I thought there was. Yeah. <laughs> there is. There is. But I need like actual Phyrexian Dreadnought five three. Ah. not just not just two like yeah enlightened tutor exists i could be running enlightened tutors too but it's just it's not what i'm looking for it's not what i'm so looking you're looking for a <laughs> you're looking for a one man at 12 12 yeah or, <laughs> or you know i mean we we can go a little bigger it's modern day magic like what do you maybe, think a one man at 13 13 uh that's an unlucky <laughs> number I, I was more thinking like well one mana for a 15 15 pay seven life draw seven cards and then it says like okay and then it says like when it comes into play uh like you lose the game (laughs) like how about that okay i I think that's fair wizards very fair (laughs) i think that's fair just make it a stifleable trigger that when it comes well (laughs) it might be time to play dreadnought again because i think i mean obviously there's other reasons why not to play dreadnought but I think Abrupt Decay was one of the big ones, right? Yeah, so Abrupt Decay and then also Fatal Push. So both of those back-to-back really mm-hmm. push Phyrexian Dreadnought just completely out of the meta. Phyrexian, uh, Abrupt Decay primarily, but then Fatal Push was the nail in the coffin. And now neither of those don't really see much play anymore. No. So mm-hmm. I think it's time to bring it back, boys. There you go. Dust off those uh, Dreadnoughts. Yeah. Dust them off. They also, they go they combo with, what's the other one? Not Sheldock Isle. Um, the one Mossward Bridge, yeah, Mossward yeah. Bridge. That's the other thing you can do the Mossward Bridge combo with Dreadnought yeah. and Emmer. Cool, bringing it back real old school. There's also there's the new uh, the new card in Kamigawa that like 
it's like this weird instant that you can target a creature and then go get a copy of that creature and put it into play. Yep. So you could like play your first dreadnought and then in response to the trigger, go get your second dreadnought and eat the first dreadnought. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, there's so many uh, of column B cards for the combo. Yeah. So there's, there's stifle, there's trick bind, there's cloud form, which was another cool one for a while. There's torpor orb, you know, there's that new Kamigawa car. There's, there's plenty of the B column, but all we got in the A column is Phyrexian Dreadnought. I just need a little <laughs> bit more A column. <laughs> that's that's you know. the only thing holding it back, Jerry. That's the only thing holding it back from tier zero status. <laughs> and that's probably why Wizards hasn't printed it yet. Can't have a I tier thought, zero I thought it was the price tag on an illusionary mask. Yeah, that too. <laughs> well, that's another B column. <laughs> that's another B column. Um, actually, I think Phyrexian Dreadnought would be a big problem too, just because Phyrexian Dreadnought's a reserve list. So it would, yeah, uh, but uh, I think illusionary mask is way more than, than the, well, yeah, but you don't need illusionary mask, you right. need dreadnought, yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that is true. I'm also pretty sure that what I said about that new coming out of card is nonsense, I don't think that works at all. I just <laughs> can remember what it did. I, I didn't care that much. I already got my trick binds. Like if it's good, like trick bind is, is your hurdle, like trick bind torpor warp. Like it needs to be better than one of those. Like stifles, obviously an auto include. I do like that card, the scroll, scroll of fate. I don't know if you saw that one. It's like a, a three drop. That one's pretty artifact. good. Yeah. It's a three drop artifact. And then it, um, oh, man, it manifests the top of yeah. your library. Yeah. That's, that's what a uh, cloud form does too. So I like, um, is it vision charm that can phase out an artifact? Yep. Vision charm is another way to get, uh, and it can like, uh, it can kill, it, it, uh, kills batter skulls because you phase it kills batter skulls. Yeah. And it kills, um, Urza sagas because it can turn, mm. it can take away the Urzas. Yep. And all, from them. Yeah. So that and uh, Cauldre combined, it's all the same way. So you yep. you exile the germ and the germ takes the equipment with it. And then because the token's gone, it, the equipment never phases back in. You can mill four cards off your Doomsday opponent. Yeah. Hell yeah, it does it. The, one of its charm abilities is to mill four cards. Man, man, the more I'm talking about it, guys, the more I'm thinking Phyrexian Dreadnought <laughs> is the meta killer. <laughs> It never first. takes. It doesn't take much for Jer- to push Jerry over to the edge of <laughs> wanting to play that card. He's always right on the precipice. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there, there's the uh, uh, the ninja guy Laz or Lazlov, where it's like if Phyrexian dreadnoughts in your graveyard, you can pay one mana and transform him into a Phyrexian dreadnought. Yeah, got so many options. Yep. So many, so much room for activities with the deck, guys. There's so many, so much room. <laughs> oh man real quick before we get off the uh the doomsday chat though i did want to bring up something else there was another uh innistrad card in the doomsday list is uh this consider have you guys played this before yeah Yeah. so basically it it looks kind of funny because it's um i thought it was a reprint at first like i'm like it, it, it feels like it this has probably been printed in like prophecy or something like that and it's never been shown up again but i looked it up it's it's a new card so for a long time we actually uh we talked in the doomsday discord about how we wish we could just have mill a card draw a card for one mana um, and that didn't exist yet. And the reason, which actually that the combo isn't being played in this list, but the reason was uh, if you could mill deep analysis and draw lines out diamonds, um, then you can flash back the deep analysis to draw Lotus Petal plus Oracle. And that gives you a five card pile that wins the game for one mana and no other resources at all. 
Um, oh, yeah. And you could do that with Thought Scour if you had the Thought Scour in your hand before Doomsday. But the way the cards lined up, you couldn't do it by putting the Thought Scour at the top of the pile. Mm-hmm. So this gives you just like a one, you can put one card in your deck. Well, I guess two if you're playing the Deep Analysis. Um and give yourself that that option. And then something that's happened is people kind of realized that that wasn't something that was worth putting deep analysis in your deck over. It's not something that comes up a lot. Um, and deep analysis is not super legacy playable in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the consider does is stack uh, Brainstorm, Street Wraith, or Edge of Autumn, consider Lion's Eye Diamond, Thassa's Oracle. And if you have one mana to cast the Brainstorm and one dead card to put back, then what happens is you can cast Oracle with zero cards left and beat removal. Um, so that package is something that people have been been enjoying it. So this list, I'm actually not sure why Consider is there because they're not playing the Lion's Eye Diamond, so that line isn't available to them. Um, but in general, the, the idea is that you didn't used to be able to construct a pile where the only constraint was any random card in hand plus a way to draw a card, which could be your draw step, plus one blue mana. And that gets you an Oracle in play with no cards left in your deck. So yeah, it seems like Consider is just kind of tailor-made for the Doomsday deck. Uh, for our listeners who aren't don't know what it is yet, it's just one blue for an instant. Look at the top card of your library. You can put that card into your graveyard and then draw a card. Yeah, I think the, the level one interaction is the deep analysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Ethan said, that one's pretty simple. You just consider uh, deep analysis to the graveyard after you've resolved Doomsday, obviously. Uh, so you put in the graveyard. The next card you draw is an LED. And then you crack the LED to flash back the analysis, target yourself, and then you empty your deck and you cast Tassa's Oracle. The, mm-hmm. I guess, level two pile would be consider put Tassa's Oracle in the graveyard. And then the next card you draw is Unearth. And you just reanimate your Tassa's Oracle uh, and then uh, win the game. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that because we saw that in, in Max's list that, I, you know, Fan favorite, favorite of the cast on Earth. Always love it when decks run so on Earth. <laughs> love that card, um, yeah. Um, being a cool interaction. So yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like that was a big reason for the unearth is uh, you know, just mill the Thassa's Oracle and then cast it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like random the when Thassa's Oracle got printed, like and one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Ethan with me for the for the cast today is because I, I saw a lot of his lists when before I even started playing the deck. And uh originally people were using uh predict before uh, Consider was printed. Mm-hmm. And those were mm-hmm. the piles. You would predict yourself and, I mean, targeting yourself, and then you would get the Tassel's Oracle from the top deck, put it in the graveyard, and then you draw two cards. And then the two cards would normally be a Lotus Petal and an Earth. And then you just use the Lotus Petal to cast an Earth and reanimate Tassel's Oracle and, and mm-hmm. you know, win the game. That was the kind of the, the original idea, like you know, when, when Tassel's Oracle was, uh, was printed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sort of the reason for that is... Um... So the the old mean deck doomsday list was uh, I think Stephen or Stephen Man Indian, um, and that was when Laboratory Maniac was printed, and that was sort of oh yeah we were seeing lists that rather than playing all the storm cards like he wasn't playing Lion's Eye Diamond or Burning Wish or much discard, um, and he came up with a list that was playing Force of Wills and um, Laboratory Maniac is basically the only win mm-hmm. condition, and the way that that worked was predict milling predict or thought scour and you 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 know you mill your laboratory maniac and then unearth it so when thassa's oracle came out i wanted to revisit that style of list um so i just kind of copied over the eager payoff and then unearth it and then kind of what happened is i realized that 
you're spending two mana to get an Oracle into play. Like you don't need to play these cards. You can just pay two mana and cast the Oracle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of why Unearth and Predict got phased out. Because uh, I think people realized Ideas Unbound did a similar thing of getting, you know, for two mana, getting an Oracle into play deep into your deck, but it had a little more utility because you could put stuff like Pack of Negation, you could put stuff like Cavern of Souls. Um, but it's cool to see the, the Unearth sort of come back and it plays really well with like the Baleful Strix and the Hermit and your sideboard, you know, Plague Engineers and stuff like that. Like it, it kind of enables your mid-range plan in addition to comboing with Consider to, mm-hmm. to get your Oracle into play. Deck's always innovating, and it's fun. I, the thing I like most about uh, Doomsday is because of uh, how tight the packages can be by its nature. You can just have these one-of cards that, you know, if you see a one-of card in another list, you think it's like, oh, maybe they're, like, hedging their bets for something or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. But in Doomsday, it's like, all right, if there's a one-of card, it is because it is in a pile. <laughs> it has a yeah. very <laughs> specific reason for being in this deck. <laughs> yeah, so. LED is usually the one that newer players are like oh i need to own four leds i was like no no the deck only plays one right <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to have all four because there's you're not trying to storm off or anything like that it's actually almost always a card you don't want to draw true yeah it's like it's pretty bad in the deck other than <laughs> specifically with brainstorm in your pile awesome uh, i'm just looking at the cost of this deck this is like i mean outside of the underground seas is a pretty affordable deck yeah that's what they like, like you it- could they could easily also print an LED that it's like it's like LED with but no mana cost or something like that. It like has to, I don't know. They're, like I'm just trying to think of a way that Watsy could print like a quote unquote fixed LED that's not on the reserve mm-hmm. list that would still work for Doomsday. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're playing these mid range versions that we're seeing, you don't need any, right? They're not they're not going to play an LED. Yeah, that's right, true. Right. You know, just cut it entirely, and then you know you can you can. Uh, and also, if you're running Doomsday, you probably don't care that much about uh, paying life to uh, Shocklands, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, no, don't agree with that, Romario. Why am I wrong? No, I don't think so. Not for this deck. No, but I thought you just like you just pay the life and then you cast Doomsday and it doesn't matter. You know, you're already losing half your life anyways. Uh, well, I mean, uh, no, I don't agree with that. Too. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to shock, if, if gonna shock to, uh, to a couple of watery graves and then cut your life in half with Doomsday, you're gonna have a hard time cycling free race or uh oh sort true of any attacks you know and the other the other thing is you are a days deck yeah all right uh, check okay. you can just play shocklands but then instead of playing merc dies you just play best shadow yeah there you <laughs> go there you go <laughs> there you go <laughs> but then, then we go back to that conversation it's like then why i'm playing doomsday just, just play that shadow <laughs> <point>. right <laughs> and then you go against the, the blue red dolver decks that's still making up you know 25 percent of the room and you get lightning bolted into oblivion <laughs> there you go yeah <laughs> you see your doomsday lets you cast your death shadows right exactly exactly <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, well, looking forward, let's take a look at uh, some of the spoilers. We got the full spoiler now for Kamigawa. Anything kind of ke- catch your guy's eye that uh, really interested you? I, I don't know if any like main legacy contenders got spoiled since our last week's episode, but you guys got any input? Uh, I think the one that people are talking about most is the Baseju. Yeah, that um, one's just busted. I think that's pretty clearly... I mean, I, I can only really speak it from the perspective of uh, I love to play the the spell combo decks, and I think this card is super, super good for Storm. It's probably the most exciting card for Storm I've seen in, in some years because it can kill Canonist or Deafening Silence in a way that's not counterable 
And if they don't have that, then it's not dead because um, it can just be played and tapped for Veil of Summer mana. So like one of the things that's historically been really frustrating playing Storm against blue-white control decks is they have like two to three permanents, whether it's Canonist, Deafening Silence, Meddling Mage, which Seiju actually doesn't touch, but that's not as, as big a deal anymore. Um, they would have these permanents that you you don't really want to bring in removal for because removal is bad against them. But if you don't and they draw it, then you basically just lose on the spot. So this is nice to have something that's not counterable, can remove the cards you care about, or can just help cast your ad nauseums if you're, uh, you know, if, if it's not lining up. Yeah, it's it's going to be a problem, I feel. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not even to speak to the the life from the loam, you know, all that stuff, which I'm sure is the main draw for the card. Um, I'm just kind of scrolling through some of the new releases and it kind of blows my mind what they uh, will print for creatures these days. Like this Grease Fang o- Okiba boss. He doesn't seem like he's legacy playable, but that just seems kind of broken just from a standard standpoint. It's a three mana, four, three with no drawbacks. Grease. Yeah. Oh. One white black for a four, three. Legendary creature, rat pilot. At the beginning of combat on your turn, return target vehicle card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste. Return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next dead step. Where's the downside on that? (laughs) That's just a three mana four three that recurs stuff from the graveyard every turn and returns it to your hands. Well, they have the one, I think it's a big ship that, I don't know if you saw playing vintage or was it modern. There's one of the vehicles that's like, Oh yeah, the I don't know, like I Sky Sovereign. Yeah, Sky yeah, Sovereign. it's not playing. I think it's someone that's. I mean, there are a couple of them. They're like could be playable with that card. Yeah, but that card is sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It might be. It might be legacy playable. I mean, what's? I guess there just isn't that many good vehicles other than like what Smuggler's Copter. <laughs> well, but it's. it's the, uh, I guess we'll see. Like no, because Wizards always going to keep printing more of those things, right? Yeah, more vehicles. So, so it definitely feels like a card that could get busted in in time. Correct, yeah. I think I saw that one. Oh, the, the spear you guys already talked about it last last time, right? Is that, is that a spear, the equipment that's a it's like graveyard hate to that one? Oh that yeah, yeah, the lion uh lion sash. Yeah, the it was it's basically uh scavenging news for white. That's also a, an equipment to pump up your dues and can be tutored with uh Stoneforge Mystic. That's the other good one. Mm-hmm. And the blue uh land they you know you can bounce things to that one it's interesting i guess yeah the at, i thought it was too expensive at first but bob really kind of convinced me in that episode that uh it's good to just use as like a value of you know replace an island it's not that big of a downside mm-hmm. yeah so one card that i'm actually pretty excited to try even though my hopes for it being competitive are very low is uh invoke calamity is, uh, it's like one and four red for an instant, and you get to cast two spells. Um, and if you can cast Doomsday Plus, there are a whole bunch of spells you can cast with it um, that win the game on the spot. So if you can cast Doomsday Plus Manamorphose, you win, uh, or Doomsday Plus Jessica's Will. Um, and I don't really think that this is better in any meaningful way than just casting your Doomsday, but like I think it's pretty cool that you can maybe use like faithless looting and stuff like that to really turn through to find the cards you want. And a lot of these cards you can use, like you can use a Jessica's will to get the five red to cast this spell and then reuse that Jessica's will to exile the top three cards of your doomsday pile. Like I, I think something like that is really cool. And I'm excited to uh, incinerate some 
play points trying that out. <laughs> hell yeah. No, I feel like I'm going to draft the hell out of the set. I got to say, I, I, I was really going in very meh on this set, not liking the idea. And through spoiler season, Wizards has kind of sold me on this set. I'm, I'm liking it. I'm, I'm going to draft uh, draft a lot of it, I feel. Also because Jenga Taxes is one of my favorite you know characters in the Magic Universe, and it's a very Jenga Taxes-themed set. <laughs> right. Yeah. Real, uh, um, yeah, I kind of had low expectations too because you no, know, the first Kamigawa wasn't the most exciting set. So the, I, the original one. So I was mm. like, eh. but then they turned out really, really nice. Like, and the art in the set is beautiful too. That's what I was really it's nervous cool. about being like the future. Like we joked about it. when we saw the first trailer for it. We're like, oh my god, they're making cyberpunk the set, <laughs> and we were like <laughs> dreading it because the trailer looked awful and. Now that we actually see the sets, I feel they did a much better job, and that trailer did not do them justice. Looking through these spoilers, actually, this set, I think more than any other, has made me want to click on cards, click on the uh, the artist credits, and see everything else that the artists have done, because there, hmm. there are a lot of very distinctly styled cards that I think are really nicely done. Yeah, well, the uh, the Jenga Taxis art, like, I'm looking at it right now, like, I love that, and it's like, it pays homage to the original, while also being, like, very... Uh, distinct and different and just really cool looking. Um, also, I'm calling it now that we're setting up ma- magic is setting up like the Marvel universe again. Cause what was it? Last set boring clicks was in uh, one of the, one of the previous sets, Jimmy mm-hmm. taxes in this set guarantee you one of the other Praetors is going to be on the next plane that we go to and Elish Norn. Yeah. Elish Norn yeah. or something. And it's just going to come out and it's going to, they all have this grand plan to destroy the multiverse. <laughs> oh man. Well, the Phyrexians are like the original baddies in, in magic lore, right? I really don't know magic lore super well, but I do remember the brothers war. I read that book when I was a kid. Wasn't that about the Phyrexians? Something like that. That was know. uh it's like Mishra and Urza, right? And they Yeah, uh, right. Okay. But didn't one they sent the, the world into the Ice Age? Yeah, I think Mishra became like okay. uh I, this is don't quote me on this, but I thought it was like they had the war and either Mishra or Urza or it was Mishra in order to like win the war, tore a portal open, and through the portal the Phyrexians were able to find Dominaria. Oh. Yeah, I think that's like what that caused was. the uh that caused the Ice Age. Right, and that and that caused Ice that. Age. Yep. Um, have you guys ever seen the Ice Age commercial that Wizards put out? No, I don't think I have. I didn't know. I saw oh the my uh, the, gosh. the seventh edition uh, commercial that Wizards put out that looks like it was filmed in like their local blockbuster. I have seen that. It was. <laughs> you guys should look at the ESPN ones that they had. Oh yeah. Yep. The one with the guys uh, playing Magic at the Beach, and there's yep. like those. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> one of the dudes like a bodybuilder. I can't remember his name, but uh, uh, the other one was the one that got caught like cheating with the was it uh, Mike Long? I think it was one of them. Oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah. The I yes. think he's one yes. of the. He's got like sunglasses they're, they're on and a cutoff shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's pretty nineties, like. <laughs> There, there. You can also find like ESPN, like no coverage, like no Grand Prix and Pro Tours. Those there. So funny. All right. So I'm sending I, Ethan. I don't have your info, so maybe Romario can send it to you later. But I'm sending you guys the link for the. This is the Ice Age promo that uh, they came out with. It's it's, okay. it's like four minutes long, and it is. It oh, is yeah. a doozy. It is a doozy. Is I'm it? excited for that. Yeah, it's very very funny. Um. But yeah, the sets the set's been pretty cool. Um, I'd be happy to see some of this artwork in person because it always looks a little bit better when you're holding it, you know. Yeah. 
That's what I miss the most. Like I've been doing all the drafts on Magic Online, and Magic Online mm-hmm. does not let you like bl- like you don't even get the full text of the card on Magic Online. Do you, uh, <laughs> do you know how annoying that is? I like, know. I know. I, sh- I should not have to Google cards while I'm drafting to know what those mm-hmm. cards do. Like they just cut yeah. the reminder text off on a brand new set. How am I supposed right. to know what these? How am I supposed <laughs> to know what these mechanics do? I've never played with them. Yeah. before. they've never. I- I can't believe that Magic Online has held on for as long as it has after after Arena was released. I thought for sure Arena would be the death blow of Magic Online. Yeah, I mean, I think the I mean, people complain about the economy in Arena, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that you can't play older formats, maybe I think a combination. Yeah, of I mean, I, I, if it, I certainly hope that's the, that that it continues to be the case that you know Magic Online yeah. is the home for older formats, but. You never know. Wizards be, uh, has made some crazy, qu- crazy moves in the past. So it might be a matter of familiarity, but I can't get into the uh, the aesthetic in Arena. Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. I can't look at the board and understand what's going on. And I feel like as much as Magic Online sort of gets, you know, made fun of for how it looks, it like I think it presents what's going on pretty clearly. Especially though, if you play the way I play, and I just turn off every effect. Like there are yeah. no effects. Oh yeah, <laughs> no sounds, no foil, no foiling, nothing. Uh, turn it all off. Yeah, uh, someone's sickness and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the, the little spiral thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah, I don't, I don't need yeah. arena where it's like, oh, your creature's flying. We're gonna levitate your card five foot off the table. I'm like, <laughs> right, yeah. right. All right. I kind of just want to read it, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I played on yeah. Arena for about a month, and then I I couldn't do it anymore. I was, yeah, I did yeah. the same, and I was like, once I realized like I had to pay to like get the cards I wanted, I'm like, nah, and I didn't want to grind to like get the cards. So I'm like, I don't want to do either of those things, so I just stopped using it. I yeah. think if I ever uh, if I ever qualified for something like one of the you know higher stakes tournaments in it, then mm-hmm. I would get into it. But I think it would take that to get me to. Yeah, that was the reason why I played it. That was the only reason why I played yeah. it. See, for me, it's like the grind is actually detrimental. Like I know they make it so you can buy the cards and then they just lure you in, lure you in with the guise of it being free to play and you can like grind mm-hmm. up the cards and then they want to hook you to, you know, sell you packs when you get tired of grinding. And my brain mm-hmm. just works on the exact opposite. I'm just like, oh, I could get this card for free by playing 25 hours of gameplay or I could spend... <laughs> $3.99 and get it right now. I'm gonna play 25 hours of gameplay. <laughs> really? Oh this man, my, my mind works. I'll just I will grind it out rather than pay a penny for it. Really? Yeah. Like it feels like I guess I do the I do the same thing on Call of Duty. Actually, now that you mention it, so yes, I guess I get like, it. I, do it, like, I get do it. With Call of Duty. I do it with Magic Online. <laughs> yeah. I do it with all these random like cell phone games, which is like great for my bank account, but it also is like from a finance perspective makes zero sense. It's like, all right, what is my <laughs> hourly wage? <laughs> <laughs> I could be spending this month, this time, you know, making money and then spending that money. But nope, nope, that's just how my mind works. I mean, you do run an evil space corporation, Jerry. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, so I mean, the fact that in Magic Online I can't grind cards for free is actually a benefit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there's no yeah. like pack things or anything like that, and that that always kills games because I feel compelled to do the grind. And then I'll get on like a, a grind streak. And then if I break the grind or if I forget to log in, I'm just done. And it like kills my interest in the game. And that's why I can't do arena or anything like that. So what, what yeah. format do you play in arena? I don't play or any you, format in arena. I know, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, what, what, what do you grind like on, on Magic Online? Magic Online, primarily Legacy and Cube. 
primarily okay. primarily cube. <laughs> Hold on, but you grind cube or you just spend oh, money I, on cube? I, I no, I grind cube. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just cube, cube, and uh, cube and legacy is pretty much all I play. Though, when like a set comes out that I really like, I will spend a, a good a chunk of money just like drafting a set if I just really, really like a set. Like I feel like I could really, really like this Kamigawa set, and I could draft a uh, draft mm-hmm. a good amount of it. Um, that really comes down to if this draft format is fun. If this draft format's fun, I'll play a lot. If the format's not fun, I'm probably gonna play it like once or twice. Yeah. Like uh, vintage masters, good lord! <laughs> yeah, I, I like hundreds of vintage masters drafts under my belt. <laughs> I used to have so many. Uh, what is it? What is the Wonder Dog card? Uh, wild, wild monk. Yeah, yeah. Wild 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 yes, I used to have like tons of them in my account because of vintage masters. Yeah, I have I have two hundred plus battle screeches. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one in that format too. So I, I was a simple man. I, I saw Battle Screech. I took Battle Screech. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, that was that was a set that really pushed Legacy. I, I mean, Vintage too, obviously, but like pushed Legacy into being like a format that people could play on Magic Online. I remember before that it was it was pricey to get on Magic Online and play yeah. Legacy. Uh, well, it, was, mm-hmm. it was the yeah. dual lands. I think- like it had the dual lands in it, and it brought dual land prices down to like five bucks a dual land for a while, and that was great. Five. Yeah, for the non-blue ones, the non-blue ones were like a buck a piece. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember I was, I was trying to buy, uh, I, I kind of played a little bit of standard in on magic line before that. And, uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to try to play legacy. Cause that's what I'm playing paper. And well, at that time it was back in 2013, I, I guess, 14, uh, another ground scene paper was a hundred dollars. Yeah. On magic line was 40 or 50. And he still had that mentality that, why am I paying fifty dollars for a digital product when you can pay a hundred dollars for like a physical right. card? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when Vintage Masters was released, I was like, all right, now it's like five dollars. I was like, oh, cool. And now, now I'll get into it. And and the daily events were firing and stuff. So now that's when that's when we started seeing a lot of people playing Legacy on on, on Magic Online. Yeah, I I drafted so much Vintage Masters. I think I drafted thirty of my forty dual lands. <laughs> like thirty of my nice. forty dual lands <laughs> just came from just picking them in drafts. <laughs> Nice. Uh, sorry, Ethan. I think you were trying to say something, and we uh, we won't let you get in edgewise. Oh no, no big deal. Yeah, no. I was just thinking. Uh, I remember when I started playing Magic Online, the two most expensive cards were um, Force of Will and Lion's Eye Diamond. We're both over a hundred mm. tickets each. Because mm. um, Force of Will was only in the first Masters edition, and Lion's Eye Diamond was only in the like Mirage flashback release. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to play Storm, but the the Lion's Eye Diamond, actually Infernal Tutor, I think was a lot back then too but uh so after vintage masters the biggest problems were days and rashad and port like was day, very high. days was like 60 bucks which wasn't like the most expensive card it's just that it was an un, a 60 dollar uncommon on magic online and it was yeah. like it was like salt in the wound it's not even a mythic rare or anything like that it's a freaking uncommon that wizards refuses to do a flashback draft on um and then rashad and port was just obscenely expensive because everyone played death and taxes on magic online <laughs> and they just all needed rashad and ports yeah all the all the cards from that block that were remotely playable were expensive they released uh the whole masks block as like one pack yeah, and it's a weird set that no one wanted to draft. So if you, yeah, the the the, the draft format for that for masks was you get a pack, but you could have cards from masks, nemesis, or prophecy in the same pack. 
mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of release of the of the cards. Um, so like misdirection at that time was like over a hundred tickets. Yep. You just don't remember that one because it wasn't as playable. Right, right. But I remember I went to pick up uh mod catchers on Magic Online. Oh yeah. And at that time they're like <laughs> yeah. they're like 30 tickets. It was a card that was not what? very playable, but, <laughs> but it was in, it was from that block, so it was also very expensive. So merge is another uh one too that was yep. very pricey too for for being like a no otherwise cheap card. Well, there was that, uh, there are a couple of popper cards too, right? Like there's that enchantment for three mana that gives everything plus zero plus one. Mm-hmm. And it's like a sideboard card in popper elves. And it like, that was like 10 or something. Magic online has some quirks. And even now, like, I think one of the most expensive cards in legacy right now is freaking Urza saga. <laughs> like it's still in print. It's all the yeah. new, yeah. The new like endurance, um, Ragavan was, it just, it just a very, it's a it's a very weird economic situation where the new cards that are currently in print are the most expensive cards. Except yeah. I found out this morning uh the Urza Saga Uncommon Meltdown is like 45 tickets. Oh really? <laughs> oh man. All this legacy players trying to beat uh eight cast, I guess. Yeah. Things are Things are crazy. Things are. It's a, it's a different economy of uh, compared to paper magic. You can't really mm-hmm. compare one to the other, right? So yeah. Well, I mean, I know modern players have been complaining a lot too, because like modern decks are like two grand now. Like yes. like modern decks now. Really? Yeah, modern yep. decks now are as expensive Jeez. as like legacy decks were a couple of years ago, and legacy decks have gone up, but they haven't gone as much as modern decks. Like modern, like five hundred or not five hundred, but like. was an expensive modern deck, and now they're like averaging two grand. Well, there's a deck that they call Money Pile. Money Pile? I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) it's the it's like the four color uh, Omnath Yorion deck. (laughs) That's where they get you, right? They they make Yorion good, so you have to play twenty extra Mm -hmm. cards. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Uh, Here it is: two thousand two hundred dollars in real life. 1800 ticks on magic online i think that's the most expensive magic online deck i've ever seen like that's ridiculous yeah that's crazy yep that's what it's called the money pile (laughs) oh my god yep yeah four ragavan four solitude solitudes are 50 bucks each oh and also ren and six is still legal and modern so they're running four ren and six (laughs) that are like a hundred dollars (laughs) plus there was uh crazy uh mr one what i think it goes by one mr lee on, on twitch uh he posted a a legacy elementals deck yeah and <clears throat> i kind of took a quick scan and was like all right i got all the lands and some of the spells i should be able to rent this with a limit that i have a card hoarder mm-hmm. and so i uploaded to magic online even with the cards i already own and force negations are very expensive on magic online i already had them yeah yeah i was too short by like 800 tickets Jeez. <laughs> I was like, holy, right, this is not happening. <laughs> well, I also gotta say, like, these rental services like either need to up their limits or I don't know if they're pissed off too, but like I'm gonna cancel my rental service because even with a rental service, I can't afford to play anything. <laughs> so, do like, think, why do, do I think, have a rental service? <laughs> do you think that they're inflating prices, the rental services? May, you think the rental services how how so? <laughs> Because they're like hoarding like all these cards. Well, they control the economy of Magic Online, right? Oh, you think like they oh, you're pricing. going you're going beyond just like some like like casual. You're you're going full tinfoil hat like price fixing. Well, scheme. <laughs> I would think that Magic Online probably has less players now than ever has before, right? 
So it's easier to corner the market. Oh, no. Less players? Yeah. Right. Because people who play standard have gone to gone to arena, right? And drafting is mostly on arena. I would think that arena's pulled a lot of people from Magic Online. I would okay. think. A lot a lot of the drafting whales. That's something that's interesting, man, right? Because if I feel like standard mythics are more expensive now than they used to be on Magic Online, and maybe that's because right. less they, limited is being played on Magic Online. Yeah, there's just less supply. I mean, like Force Negation and Renin Six, those are in uh, master sets, right? So yeah, I can understand those. Those always like seem to be less open, and they're always just a little bit. They have they fetch more of a premium, but I don't know. It just it wouldn't seem like it would take a lot of effort for like you know the because there's what I can think of like two or three rental services. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really they they really do set the prices of the market, right? Like they you know cards are worth what they say they're worth, right? I don't know. Maybe more the bots, right? The ones to sell. The buy sell bots, yeah. Because for the, I guess I mean, so, yeah. Because like card hoarder, they rent cards, but they also sell cards. I don't know if right. the traders does the same thing. Do they just rent or do they sell cards too? I think they sell because I think I bought from mana traders, but I'm not sure. Actually, I'm not sure. No, because I think it was okay. card hoarder when I bought when I used to buy cards, but okay, that was many years ago. I know mana traders does in paper rentals too. Like that was their big mm-hmm. thing. Like they did magic online rentals and then paper rentals. Yeah, what a what a shitty time to to roll that out, huh? Right. COVID, like <laughs> no one no one needs your cards. It's fucking tough, dude. That's yeah. tough. Yeah, that seems to be like a risky business. I don't know. Yeah, I just I wouldn't feel comfortable building an entire business based on someone else's business. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. It, well, I would think that like I think a lot of that seems like it's uh, well. When you buy from like card hoarder, I think you have to actually like trade with someone online, right? Like it's not done automatically. Like you, it's not a bot that does it, right? It is. It is for, some, like a oh, yeah, is that a bot? You do, okay. bo- you do bots for um okay for the rentals. Yeah, they're actually all automatic now. Uh, even the rental part too. Oh really? Yeah. In the beginning, because I've been using them since the beginning. Uh, yeah. To get the cards from them used to be a person, I think. No, I'm sorry. The cards was automatic. To give the cards back. You had to contact one of their people to return. Oh, the cards. okay, that's okay. was either one of the sure. two. I can't remember. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Supposed to get the cards or to return them, but uh, now it's everything's automatic. Yeah, the uh, the bot chains that buy tickets. I don't know if that's automatic. I feel like that's usually like a person has to email you and then you arrange your trade for tickets. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's just weird. It's a, it's such a. I, I, it never sat well with me. Like whipping out my card to like buy a magic de- a virtual magic deck that i already own in paper just felt really strange and then and then like and like i don't know magic online never sat well with me as like a as a concept so i never i yeah, never really well, it always doesn't sit well well with you until it does like i remember feeling the same way about subscription service for video games like mm-hmm. i remember when like world of warcraft first came out i was just like oh i would never pay a monthly fee to play a video game i already own right what are you crazy right. and now it's just like Everyone and their mother has subscription service video games. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah, it's true. Loot boxes and, you know, battle passes and all that gimmicky bullshit. So, Jerry, do you play Call of Duty? Yeah. Try, try to drop. How have we not talked about this before? Yeah, dude, let's, let's play. Let's play some Call of Duty. We, sh- we should have a leaving a legacy. Uh, Warzone. <laughs> this game. podcast has become about everything other than magic. It's about <laughs> we, we got a solid hour of magic. Come on, no, we got know. yeah. No, we got some good stuff in no, today. <laughs> we should have, we should have a le- we should fill a lobby with all leaving a legacy players and do a leaving a legacy. That would be dope. Would I be dope. bought the last one, but it was only to play the the zombie levels. 
the zombie oh, okay. oh, I only play the zombie levels that they have. So my my brother and a, and a coworker of mine, this is last summer, they convinced me to start playing it again because I hadn't played a Call of Duty in since before I had kids. So I had been over a decade since I played any Call of Duty game, like mm-hmm. at all. So when I so I downloaded Warzone, and I started playing with them, and I'm like, the first like couple weeks, I'm like, this is nothing like what I'm like because now they have like the you know like the battle royale is like a very like it's not new to like video games right because it's been out for a few years with like fortnite etc right but it was completely novel to me like i had never played that kind of game before and like having to like armor up and yada yada it was just very it was very weird like but it i've i play it pretty often now like my brother and i were up till like 2 30 friday night playing playing call of duty (laughs) (laughs) it's it's been a good time i'm so bad at those uh, first shooter games i don't I, I, I can't play. Yeah, I'm bad, but it's it's like I just like to get in there and like hang out with my friends, and that's that's what brings me to the game is like playing with my friends, you know. So if if you want to have a good time, Pat, you got to use this loadout of mine. I call it the Ninja Turtle. So okay. You take you take the riot shields. <laughs> is this you, riot shielding Kali Six? <laughs> no, katanas. Okay. okay. <laughs> you take the riot shields. So you put the ride shield on your back. So you take yeah. the ride shield as your secondary. So you wear it as your back. So it acts as a shield yeah. on your back. And then as your primary, <laughs> you do the dual katanas. And then you yep. take the ghost perk. So you run really fast. And then you take the stim perk. So you get extra stim charges. And you just <laughs> run around the battlefield like a meth head. Just do <laughs> katanas. Just slicing people up as you go. <laughs> Jerry, that's the most on-brand thing I've ever heard you say in my life. <laughs> and I love it. So for people who don't know, in Warzone, when you kill someone, it briefly opens up your the person you killed. Oh, the like, death comms is one of my favorite things. <laughs> the death comms. So like for, for like a five-second burst, you just get to hear the person that you killed, what they say. And when you kill them yeah. as a Ninja Turtle, Pat, it just, <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck is this man doing? <laughs> 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 oh that's great i love it so yeah let's let's drop in pat let's let's do some yeah zone. yeah 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 we'll exchange some info are you a <laughs> console guy or you play on like on your pc oh please purist purist pat pc oh gross, <laughs> on, wait, gross. You, you don't play on a pc no i play on xbox ah that's yeah. fine i guess I, 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 guess never... I'll ca- I guess i'll carry your us on uh my shoulders with your <laughs> Your latency and your aim, PC, your PC aim gamers assist. have such PC gamers have such an advantage in that game over console players. It's disgusting. Like I've actually considered shutting off crossplay because it's so it can be so bad sometimes. Yeah, it's, you have an advantage over kids riding the short bus. It's true. You know, <laughs> console players have a natural disadvantage. <laughs> oh man i will actually give you this i do envy console players that you can just turn off cross play and only play with other console players and not have to deal with like fucking hackers who are uh cheap. oh yeah that yeah is, that is i annoying. guess it's gotten bad for some people but i don't have a high enough kd rate where i actually get into, into lobbies with the cheaters <laughs> <laughs> everyone sucks just as bad as me so it's great the benefits of not being good <laughs> yeah exactly exactly you can get paired against hackers yeah <laughs> excellent yeah when they're shooting you through the wall or they're aiming at the sky and still hitting you it's like come on that kind of sucks are they like they pop into your room and they kill all four members of your squad and you look at like the kill cam and it's just like their gun is just like jerking around the screen right, automatically right right headshots You're like that yeah. looks a little suspicious <laughs> yeah um all right well let's get into scoops and poops jerry because i gotta get to bed oh uh, we before we go pat 
We need our our anti work segment of the episode. Uh, Ramar, Ramario, and Ethan, you guys got a terrible boss story for us. Either either one of you or both of you. Any any just like like uh, story you have of just like the worst boss you've ever had, or some petty revenge you got off on a client or customer at work or something like that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Give it, give it to us. Give us the goods. I used to, I used to work in logistics, so. <laughs> yeah uh i think it wasn't really i had a boss he was really bad but not because he was a bad person he just he wasn't good at his job and uh i was his assistant manager at the time uh we used to work for a company to deliver office supplies and medical supplies yep and uh he was just he i don't know he he wasn't really putting any effort to try to learn his job and he was the guy that was supposed to be in charge of the whole office uh and then eventually i got tired and i I kind of started a business after that. And so I put my two weeks notice because uh, I'm always like, I'm kind of against like not just giving a notice to leave, even if I'm really pissed off at my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I put my two weeks notice and less than a week later, I knew that was going to happen. My original manager, which I had a good relationship with, he called me on my cell phone asking me to come back to be the manager because the previous guy <laughs> got fired. <laughs> Because <laughs> we knew that it was like me and one of the guys that used to work in the warehouse were the ones that were covering for him. So like, no, so he wouldn't lose his job. And as soon as I left, <laughs> literally, I quit on a, I quit on a Friday. I think on the following Tuesday, I got a call from my regional manager. I was like, yeah, we fired that guy. I'm going to come back and be the manager. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> At that point, I already had like my, I you know, like my, my wife had gone on like on her own. She started her own mm-hmm. business. So I went to help her and I was like, I like, I was there for a while. <laughs> like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm like, <laughs> y'all good luck with that. It wasn't a bad job. It's just that the manager was very incompetent, I guess. Like, no, he was, he yep. was a good guy. I used to play paintball with him and stuff, but he was just not mm-hmm. good at his job. So uh, I kind of gotcha. Oh, that's a good one. That's good. <laughs> what about you, Ethan? You got any uh, anti-work stories for us? So bad, but I really, uh, I really don't. It's okay. Some people are just blessed and not having a, yeah. a terrible boss. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some some of us have PTSD from bosses, and some of us have uh, never had a bad boss in our life. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, awesome. All right, Patch, we do our our scoops and poops. Yeah, let's do scoops, Jerry. Who are you scooping in top eight this week? Scoops. Uh, I'm going to be scooping in all of our Olympic athletes who are participating, and even though there's some. Political stuff going on that I won't get into. That is, uh, you know, these Olympics probably shouldn't have happened in the first place. But despite that, I still want to support all of our athletes over there. And uh, they, uh, you know, put in a lot of work. And I hope uh, they all get gold medals in their respective sports. Mm. Gold medals for everyone. Medals for everyone, Pat. That's the way to do it. Okay. Uh, Not going to take Romario. How about you? Who, who do you want to scoop <laughs> in the top eight this week? Oh, uh, let's scoop Ethan. Uh, Ethan probably doesn't remember, but about a year and a half ago, he retweeted a tweet from uh, Yuta Takahashi, who is the, mm-hmm. as far as I know, I think he's currently world champion. And it was a doomsday list. And I took that list, uh, changed it a little bit. And it was the same list I used to get second place at the super qualifier, uh, which eventually I made it for the, to the Pro Tour for the first time. Uh, I don't think I would have seen that list if Ethan hadn't retweeted. So... In a way, you kind of helped me get to the pro tour. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, I, I, I do remember. Uh, I do remember seeing that that list, and I do remember when you crushed that tournament. That was 
pretty fun to uh to watch like to to get updates as you were destroying the swiss rounds that was fun to see (laughs) and i think just the whole doomsday discord everyone is really nice there everyone has been very helpful to uh to help me learn the deck and uh you know just making the deck better uh yeah awesome what about you ethan uh yeah so i'm gonna be a little bit of a copier here and i'm gonna scoop in first Romario for inviting me because uh and and you guys for having me because this has been a lot of fun i've never done a, done a podcast appearance before but i i had a lot of fun uh also want to shout out max Storshin, max gilmore for uh he posted a blue black doomsday merc tide list this morning that really got me excited about playing the mid-range plan i've been talking to him about it a little bit and i'm pretty excited to, to try it out so uh nice that would be uh those are my picks Awesome. Nice. What about you, Pat? Uh, I'm going to scoop in Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. They were running uh, old. They were running Super Bowls uh, on Sunday, and so my kids got to watch a bunch of Super Bowls. They were too young to watch. Uh, it was great. I got to watch the. Uh, I rewatched the Seattle game uh, with the Butler interception at the end, and I my kids got to rewatch the Atlanta game, which they never saw, which is a crazy, crazy football game. Um and shout out to uh to China because somehow they've only recorded four thousand six hundred thirty six cor- coronavirus deaths since the pandemic. So that's, I mean, whatever they're doing, they're doing it well, right? Yeah, definitely not underreporting cases or anything. So <laughs> it's amazing what censorship will get you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. Tomorrow I'm gonna see on Facebook ads for Joe Rogan's got canceled and Pat has got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Two biggest podcasters. Did any? Did China, anyone? China- China can eat a huge dick, honestly. I can't fucking. Uh, ugh, terrible. Absolutely did, terrible. Did anyone see the dick? It's, 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 it, can I, you know what, Jerry? I'm going to say it right now. It's a travesty that how crooked the IOC is that they allow the Olympics to be held in China. It should never have gone to that country. Ever, 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 ever. Did you should see? It be held in the free world only. Did you see? The we're we're going to look. We're going to look back on this. We're going to look back on this Olympic Games like when the Olympics were held in Nazi Germany. And we're going to be like, oh, wow. Like that was. Should, that should have never happened yep. because no matter what politics, politics are part of sport period. And the IOC trying to say that we're going to keep politics out, politics out of sport is complete bullshit. And I cannot, I cannot believe that the IOC allowed the Olympics to be held in China. Shame on them. Shame on them. Did you see the, uh, the Dutch reporter who got dragged off on live TV? Yeah. I don't know how much that, I, I don't know if that was because of reporting or if that was because he was in a place where he's not supposed to be. And like, that's just what happens. Um, I don't know the story behind it, I, but I did see a clip of him being dragged off. Yeah, mm-hmm. I haven't really kept up with the Winter Olympics, but yeah, I agree. It shouldn't be held there. Yeah, it has no no business being there. No business. And by the way, the only two Super Bowls I rewatch uh, as a Giants fan is 2007 mm-hmm. and oh. 2012. <laughs> 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 That that David Tyree catch, man. I, I mean, you know what? Like, I, I, you can't complain. The Patriots can't complain though because they had the Butler interception uh, in that same game. That crazy catch that was made in the goal line uh, by by Seattle, but then Butler came back and intercepted it on the goal line. But they also had that insane Edelman catch against the Falcons, which was one of the most, which was one of the craziest catches in football I've ever seen. Like when you saw it in replay, like when you saw it live, it was like there was no way he made that catch. And you see it in replay, it was unbelievable. So yeah. So the uh yeah the <laughs> the David Tyree catch was fucking rip your hair out. Rip your hair out. But <laughs> yeah, it was great. 
Um, I also learned today that there have been uh, there have been six appearances in the Super Bowl by a man named Joe, uh, only behind men named Tom. <laughs> so nice dad. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I think that's it for today, Jerry. I think so. We had, our, we, had our, we had our anti-work segment. We had our sports corner. Yep. We, I think we got it all wrapped up. It's true. And uh, we got we, we got to oh, get can this. I, hey, can I, sorry. One more thing. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, I want to thank our newest patrons. We had two patrons sign up the oh, last uh, yeah. couple of weeks, and I kept forgetting to mention them. Um, so shout out to uh, and I just lost them again. Uh, Keith Sweeney and uh, Michael Hilton. Thank you so much for joining the uh, the Patreon family. We might much appreciated. Thank you guys for sure. Keep the podcast going, people on Patreon for sure. Yeah, and uh, also the Leaving Legacy opens. We gotta get on the road about our spring event, Pat. Yeah, as soon as we set a date, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Gotta, Can I make a suggestion for that for that event? Sure. Yeah. Can we, like I don't mind if it's in Massachusetts, but can we just do this location that's accessible? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with Acton? <laughs> I, I was trying to go to the last one. I was gonna but, drive you, Romario. I'm like, Romario, I'll pick you up. We'll go. And then I had to, uh, I had to drive to Boston, and then you had to drive me to another town. I was like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, if you if you guys do like in a place that's accessible, for sure, I, I don't mind driving or flying there, but. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't mind flying because I don't like to fly, but I'll, I'll drive there, I guess. <laughs> it's accessible by car. You're making it sound like it's on like an island or something. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll, I'll make, I'm making a promise now. I'll be in attendance in the next one. <laughs> to, to be fair, I don't think I've ever it's been. tomorrow. Just I don't think it. I've ever been to a, a major like legacy tournament that was like a uh, like accessible by like subway or anything like that. They're always in like off like the turnpike is <laughs> nestled in between like a uh, a Jersey Mike's and the last blockbuster on the Eastern. So the, <laughs> we should just do it like a Polish club somewhere and just like just cut out cut out watsy altogether just hold just do it ourselves one of the one of the best legacy tournaments i've ever been to was at uh like a freaking canadian american club and during the entire tournament they were selling one dollar rolling rocks it was the best tournament ever (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing some legacy and ponies (laughs) that is amazing i love it Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for hanging out this week. We much appreciate it. And uh, Romario and Ethan, thanks for coming on and talking to us about Doomsday. And and uh, we'll catch you all next week. Bye. Later.